HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by TechServe. For more information, visit TechServe.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. And I'll just keep on stumbling Right now it feels too humbling To tell you what I want And the city's feeling queer and crass With beer cans growing blades of grass To look like something new Whoa, oh, oh, oh you love me, but I'm just too damn hungry for loving that I don't need, and I know that you like my shoes, but you wish you could count for every inch and every ounce of everything that you meet, and you'll die by the time you're 30. Slithering snakes and garden rakes Don't got what it takes To give you what you need Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, on Heritage Radio Network Live. Greg is still in Barcelona, just wrapping up a weekend in Primavera. That SOB. Lucky man. Lucky man. Lucky man. That was just Oberhofer, ooh, off our first live comp, and he's going to be in studio right now. Well, right now he's eating pizza, along with the rest of us. Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, and uh, eating slices are calling his name, but he'll be here the second half playing live and talking about the new album and Bonnaroo and 
uh, all all amazing things. Uh, and that track is to celebrate uh, our second comp coming out in just a few weeks, and uh, we couldn't be more happier. It's Light Asylum and Fletcher C. Johnson. I'll be playing a track that later, and a ton of other great bands. We're so so excited and already working on the third comp, which is just just keeps rolling along. But today we are very happy to be joined by a Strong Island native. Now Colorado transplant, Stephen Rudzikowski. Yes. Yep. Boom. Phonetics. Typed it out. You got it. Typed it out. Stephen, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks for having me. And Eliza, you too. Welcome. <laughs> Look, we are big believers in the PR people, and big shout out to Bullfrog and Bond making today happen. So thank you guys so much to everybody, and shout out to my man Kong, who will be watching. Uh, you know, shout out. Yeah. Game three tonight. Let's go Kings, Devils. right? Oh. Or no, or not. <laughs> are you a Devils fan? No. Well, East Coast, I mean. Yeah, but these, I feel like the East Coast rivalries, you can only really like one, maybe two teams, and then you have to hate everyone else. It, normally, yes, I'd agree. I like everyone. When it comes to the Yankees, but... Uh, Are you a Yankees fan? I am, yeah. I am. Yeah. How about that no-hitter with the Mets? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. First one in history, right? Are you, uh, what are you, are you, uh, are you an Islanders fan? Uh, you know, I actually grew up maybe 10 minutes from Nassau Coliseum. But you were there during so. the good... Do, yeah, Mike I mean, Bossy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were do, Felix I, Potvin. Yeah. If you if you uh, didn't if you only know the Islanders of the modern era, you you would have no idea that they were a powerhouse. No, never, never. never. You'd have no idea. <laughs> no, uh, we. I don't even know they have a team right now. I, mean. I don't. It's 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 like minor league on a big bigger stage. <laughs> anyway, so Stephen, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you so much coming across the coast to hang out with us today. Thank you. So let's talk about your restaurant, Oak. Actually, yes. Forget that. We'll get to that. Let's talk about the beginning and about your first. You and I share a very, uh, I guess, stereotypical archetype type of job, and that was at a pizza place. Yeah, absolutely. And you worked in a Long Island pizza place. What was that like? It was it was great. Uh, you know, my uh, my that was my first job ever in the kitchen. My older brother worked there. He was the pizza guy, the head pizza guy, whatever they called it at the time. Yeah, the pizza Iola. Uh, <laughs> and uh, does that get I don't a, I don't that, know if they use that term. At a slice in that joint? Place. Was it a slice joint? <laughs> it was. Oh yeah, my god. It was. Um, you know, he left for the Marines, and when he left, he basically told me uh, I had to go work there. So, you got grandfathered in. Yeah, yeah, basically, I got grandfathered in. and Yeah, so, you know, it takes a while to get up to the pizza, so I, I was dishwasher, uh, wing station for a while. Oh, my God. Um, How was that? It was pretty good. I mean, we sold a lot of wings. It was busy. Busy? Mm. You had to graduate up to the pizza, so. What's, uh, what's your favorite wing style? Uh, I, I go with hot sauce, Parmesan, cheese, uh, and garlic. That's that's my favorite. Nice. Yeah. Dipping sauce? Uh, I kind of put them in a big bucket and just shake them up. And cheese sort of melts a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So uh, had you thought about working in food before? Did you get behind the fry station and go, this is my calling? Yeah, it just really kept me out of trouble. And, uh, were you trouble? Were you getting get a lot of trouble? A little, little, not, not too much, but, you know. Just normal just enough. Long Island <laughs> suburb. Yeah, nothing to trouble. do, so... God, strong island. <laughs> I knew a lot of kids. I went to a Jewish camp growing up. I knew a lot of kids from Long Island, and they had a lot of similar stories. It's just like, I'm getting to a lot of trouble because I got nothing to do. Oh, yeah. Yep. So you were there, and you're making wings and things like that. And then uh, when did you decide that you want to do it for real? Um, you or know, more, not to undermine the slice joint, but sure. for real, for real. Yeah, you know, I, I, had, I had so much fun. You know, when you work in a kitchen, it's like a big family. Yeah, you get yeah. to know everybody really well. And I said, well, let me try this out in an actual, you know, sit-down restaurant, if you will. And um, went to a, another place uh, in New York, uh, another small place, and really liked it. And I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to do it, do it well and, and surround myself with the best people I can. So that's kind of where, uh, where I started. Yeah. And you went to culinary school, right? I did. I went to Schenectady. Is that, well, what, that's the, the place, or is that the name of the school? Uh, it's Schenectady Community College, tiny okay. little college yet in schenectady and you got the whole i got the two-year yeah, culinary kinda, yeah the and culinary degree no, and, we won't do your age but uh what what year is this this or, was oh let's see 99 i think i graduated okay so right yeah. on the cusp of like food really hitting the mainstream yep. on like a television type of way and uh just fell deeper deeper in love there you know yeah i i kind of went to school i thought i had to have that degree because yeah. they put so much pressure on you saying you know you have to have a degree you have to have a degree which you know, that's kind of up to... Talk to me about that argument. You know, I, I really don't think you do. I, I, I never push it on anybody. It's kind of what someone wants to do. Um, I, I'm more of the believer in just going in and working in a kitchen. Okay. Um, and that's what I did. I, I came down to the city when, when uh, Le Cirque 2000 was around. 
Oh my God. Um, and I just worked there for weekends and kind of forced myself into that job. Um, so when I graduated from college, they, they took me on full time. That's great. So you left and you started get, you got paid right away. I got paid right away. That's amazing. Yeah. But here's my, and to play devil's advocate with that argument, but didn't you learn a lot of foundation stuff in school that you had not um, learned before? You know, I had already worked in a kitchen for probably four years before I went. Okay. Um, I worked at a diner before I went to high school in the morning for a couple hours, then went to high school. And then, what, what, was your, what was your station in the diner? Uh, I was on the griddle. Oh I was taught by this guy, Larry, who uh, one hand with a cigarette, the other hand with a spatula. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so amazing. What was your specialty? What was your griddle? What were you the... I was, I was also the toast guy. I was the quickest guy with the toast. You know, white wheat. I'd basically give Larry the plates... With the white wheat rye and uh, set him up for him, and he just he'd knock it out of the park, Larry. How do you guys like your eggs? Uh, you... I'm I'm a scramble guy. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. 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 yeah I like them. Uh, well, when I make them at home, I usually scramble them with a green pepper and put them on top of a bed of avocado. Oh, Ooh. delish. Yeah. I'm a, nice. I'm a, I'm an up guy. Oh yeah. I, I like the yolk. I like the yolk. I like the big chunk of rye bread. I don't know. It could be a Jewish thing. I don't know. Right, rice the right choice. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of respect for people who order white. No, bread. no. I usually go rye or wheat. I like rye or wheat. Too. I mean, I think everybody's you know you know deserving of respect, but you uh, know, the white the white bread is a little bit weird to me. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's like uh, yeah. And what was uh, what were you jamming out to? What was your diner uh, pizza music soundtrack at that time? I think you know. I think Larry was big into the eighties at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird because now in the kitchen. We listen to Saturday mornings or a lot of the cars we listen to, which oh, I yeah. think that was back of Larry's. That's time good as morning well. music. Absolutely. That's good morning. <laughs> you know, it's it's what you learned on. You know, it gets you focused back into that mindset where Definitely. you stuff. That's so awesome. I love I mean diners are I mean it's a staple of Long Island. Oh yeah. I, I, I feel like if you grew up cooking Long Island, if you don't have a pizza shop and a diner on your resume No, yeah, then yeah, you didn't that, start right. You, you didn't then. start right. <laughs> So you're at Le Cirque in the in so it's like 2000 now. Uh, this was Le Cirque 2000. Yeah, when they moved from the original space, right? Where right, Daniel right. is now. It's so fun. It's so fun. Le Cirque 2000 sounds so futuristic at the uh, at the time. At it the was time. like wow, this is crazy. So how did you feel going from working a pizza place diner to working what is arguably one of the you know heavyweights of the New York fine dining scene? It was extremely intimidating. Um, it, I mean, I had no idea what anything was. Um, it, but you know, I, I think, you know, more than anything, you just go into a place like that with just a strong work ethic, just run, put your head down and go. And, uh, you can, you can move up in those kind of places if you do that. Um, any, just, uh, any stories, anything where you, uh, you sort of had to hold it together a little bit. I, if my old sous chef is here and yeah, I, uh, I, I remember one time we had these big, big, uh, kettles in the back with stock going to veal stock and yeah. I dropped it maybe eight hours too early it was supposed to reduce too much yeah and I started cooling them down and he came over and literally grabbed me and threw me in the walk-in and I was on the floor pretty quick he was a big big German man Whoa. and uh you just told me you know I took a big chance on you coming in here don't ever let me down again while I was getting kind of pushed into the ground a little and drowned in kind of stuff yeah kind of kind of got the point across that never oh happened again no it didn't oh. how do you i mean how do you feel about that now that you're you have your own restaurant things like that i know there's sometimes there's two schools of thought you know like eric repair will just tap you on the shoulder and just say sure you know step off the line and there's the other throw the plate across the room what do you feel is the best management style? um you know what i'm learning now with with our restaurant is everybody has to be da- managed differently yeah um some of the guys respond really well to just getting absolutely berated and some of the guys huh. shut down so you just have to know who you're kind of trying to it's more of a motivational thing um that you're ultimately trying to get out of it but some of them need to just be coached and some need to be it needs to be a little more. Well, it, it says so much about a man who needs to be yelled at versus who needs to be like quietly talked to. I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you get you get intimate knowledge of these people when you're working in that type of situation, sixteen hours a day. Oh yeah, you know, you, you you're going to know how to motivate and how to, I guess, berate somebody. Absolutely. So, I, I guess I needed my when I was younger. I guess I needed to be berated because it it happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That I guess that got me a little, little tough love. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So you're in New York, and how is it to be in New York 2000? What was the culinary? I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was still like the bubble was still there. And I mean, you know, big whales and giant bottles of wine yeah. and things like that. How was it like to be, you know, something like Le Cirque? It, it was unbelievable. You know, when I think back at it now, you know, like when you see the server go past your table now and they ask you for pepper, I remember cereal was on the dining room floor with white truffles during the holidays, just complimentary 
shaving white truffles, you know, just asking, would you like, and I was like, what is going on? So just into the mouth, right? Like on top. of Unbelievable. (laughs) On every dish, just kind of. Oh, That's it was, amazing. It was unbelievable. I mean, it must have been a great time to be cooking like that. And did you learn? I mean, wh- you know, was that the real foundation of what you cook now? Like that type of service and mentality? Or did it complement what you learned in school? I think mostly um, just from what I learned at Le Cirque and then John George as well was mostly technique and, and the discipline in the kitchen. And then you kind of just draft off from there like and cook whatever makes you happy whatever you know whatever you i i like more comfort kind of food but still you use those techniques that you learned from back then because that's pro you know they they know what they're doing and what was it like working for jean George? that was uh intense that was probably the i'd say the uh the, the most disciplined kitchen i've ever been in um the cleanest by far i mean there yeah. was not a spot in that kitchen what are those guys rocking in the kitchen what are they music wise absolutely nothing silent <laughs> oh it's silent not even during so, prep time nope not even during prep time huh it's it's just go time there all the time do you like music in your kitchen um i do i, I let the guys we have an open kitchen which is great so we okay. can listen to whatever the guests are listening to um but i i'm all for it i i like a lot more laid back place myself now um but uh yeah i guess i would i'd go back to 80s as well i mean that's kind of gets you gets you pumped up and what made you uh, move across the coast? Because arguably, I would say the East Coast dining scene is a little, I don't know, is held more in regard than some of the places in the West, oh, you yes. know? Uh, so what made you, uh, especially since you're working at all these top places and you have the pedigree, and I'm sure as a talented chef, you could find a place of your own. What made you want to go across um, the country? You know, just just wanted to try something else out, see, see what other restaurants are doing, uh, what other part of the country is doing. And... Um, I, I actually, when I first left New York for the first time, I, I flew to Aspen okay. and came from Manhattan to Aspen, flew in there during off-season with a suitcase in Aspen Airport, and I literally, in the first couple of hours, was like, I can't, I can't do this. Really? No way. It was just, I, I must have been one of 100 people in town for about a good two weeks during off-season. It was scary. And what year is this? <laughs> this was um, 2002, I believe. Because now Aspen has the... F- you know, the whole food festival, and sure. it's got a bit of a culinary reputation, but early 2000s, the Aspen culinary scene was, well, you tell me what it was like. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, it's it's definitely growing year after year, but um, again, when I went there, it was off-season, so when it's off-season, that, that town just clears out. There is nobody there. It's, even it's a even ghost today? Town. Even today. It, it's just a ghost town during off-season, yeah. Hmm. All right, well, we're going to take a pause right there because we're going to talk about your restaurant, Oak, and talk about what you do in the off-season and, and how you hang out because so many times it's the exact reverse about oh, yes. what's off-season and on-season. Uh, you're listening to Snacky Tunes. Oh, 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 oh,
computer i guess i'm gonna to have to go to the apple store what don't go to the apple store go to TechServe. what's TechServe? i thought apple store was the only choice no you're crazy TechServe is so much better than the apple store they're new york's original and still the best apple computer ipod and iphone store and repair shop plus the store is really cool you got to go check it out they're located at 119 west 23rd street well that settles it i'm i'm headed to TechServe. TechServe is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. For more information, visit TechServe.com. That's T-E-K-S-E-R-V-E.com. We're here with uh, Stephen Redzikowski, all the way from Colorado, and we are uh, talking about his journey as a chef and him winding up in Aspen. So, I imagine the as crazy as the on-season is, you said the off-season is a ghost town. It is. It clears out, and it's, it's scary. It really is. And uh, what do you do? Um, what do you do with the restaurant? I mean, is your restaurant leave still, town? <laughs> I mean, is your restaurant closed for the off season? Uh, oh well, I'm sorry. Our restaurant that, that's in Aspen. Our restaurant's in Boulder. In Boulder, um, I'm so, um, that's what I mean. The whole Colorado scene. Oh yeah, well you know, uh, Boulder, Denver is pretty constant year round. But the, the ski towns, those are when it really kind of dies off, and that's the reason why I left uh, Aspen anyway to try out see what Boulder was like because handling those off seasons is a little. They Especially little, if you want to have your own place. Absolutely. It's got to stay consistent. Yeah. So you leave Boulder. You spend a little bit of time in Napa. Yes. And then you feel the Colorado pull? Yeah, is you the, know. Or whatever the, the, the term is for that? Um, yeah, I, you know, I'd always wanted to get out to California and just see what it, what it was like. And I heard, you know, the culinary scene was awesome and went out there. Um, was there not, not too long, maybe about a year and a half. But, yeah, Colorado was great. Um, and it just... I don't really do any of the activities, which is strange, the outdoor stuff. But uh, for some reason, I, I got drawn back to Colorado. Just a great place to live. They take their food and wine very serious. But um, it's also, you can have a lot of fun as well. It's, it, it's really, yeah, best of both worlds. Is there a lot of local sourcing? Are there a lot of... There is, especially now, starting to kick in. There's a lot lamb, of... Lamb, local... right? Is that the big Colorado Yeah, lots, lots of lamb, produce, lots of produce. Yeah. Awesome. So, Oak... Your restaurant yes. opens up in March 2010. Uh, the f- phase one. The phase one. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about the idea behind Oak and, and phase one before we get to the, the, the great fire. The incident. Of the incident. <laughs> so my, uh, my now business partner, uh, Brian Dayton, he, uh, he and I used to work together for a couple of years uh, in Boulder. And um, he called me up one day and you know, asked me, he's like, what do you think about owning your own place? And I said, oh, I'd always love to. You know, always exercise that wanted to open my own place, and he uh, he said, "What do you think about doing something in Boulder?" And uh, that's the place that I really wanted to do it. Boulder's pretty young, hip. Um, you know, they they like to go out and eat a lot, and we kind of looked at some places, and we we ended up finding the Oak at Fourteenth Space. And uh, as soon as I saw it, it had that wood fired cookery already there. It was a nice corner spot, and I I love wood fired cookery. Um, so it was it was already grandfathered in that that uh we had an oven we had a wood-fired grill um so immediately i was like yes let's let's do it amazing and so build up, that's great because sometimes you hear about stories where people like find a space and they're trying to add and build and things like that but you actually worked with the space that you had now yeah. had you wanted to do but you wanted to, but you already had the idea of doing like wood image like wood cooking and open fire and things like that that was my ultimate goal someday i i didn't know how how practical it was because it's it's very limited in places of what they'll allow, especially in Colorado with wood-fired cookery. Um, a lot of times you have to go through so much if it's not already there, but it was already in place in this existing restaurant that had been there for 22 years, so it was pretty much ready for us almost. I mean, And you open and it's just immediately just a uh, success? Yeah, we opened up and, and dinners just took off pretty quickly. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we, we kept everything pretty simple um, and just try to let the ingredients speak for themselves. We try to source out as best as we can. And, yeah, we, we got a great crew to start with us. And, yeah, it, it started off pretty, pretty rocking. And then the incident. Then the incident, yeah. I was on my way to work in the morning. Uh, it was, uh, what was it? March 9th, actually. And it was at 10 in the morning. I was just about maybe a block away, and I got a call from one of my AM managers. And he said there was a fire in our exhaust system. And uh, basically... The words, nobody ever... Fire. Oh, yeah. You know, and you know, in kitchens, you have little little fires on the range top or something small in the in the stove but when i got there i was like oh this is a little little bigger than i thought how big uh pretty big you know and again i was across the street when the fire was going because they had moved everybody across the street and um i thought we could maybe be open you know later that afternoon you know i was trying to think pretty positive <laughs> and uh i was like well we got to get in there and start cleaning and we could maybe open up in a few hours and uh, ended up being nine months we were out what did you do uh, the first couple months were pretty scary. My girlfriend was pretty worried. I was, uh, I was kind of in a dark phase. Um, I had no idea what to do. I, I'd never been out of work ever. I mean, I think I've maybe taken off four days before in my life, you know, and then I, I was out, out for a while and I, I was lost. I was completely, completely lost. Soul searching? Uh, a lot of, a lot of soul searching. <laughs> Did you take up snowboarding or skiing at that time? Um, no, I bought a uh, heavy bag. I put it in my garage and really... Really? The town jacked up a little bit? I, I, I'm not... No, I wouldn't say I'm jacked up, but took out a lot of aggression. That's good. Better to, If you're going to hit something, it better be a heavy bag. Absolutely. But then phase two. Phase two. Yes. Um, Let's talk about phase two. So, I mean, assurance money, right? I'm a, right? So, yes. you have a chance to sort of fix the things that weren't perfect the first time around? You know, yeah, insurance really... Um, it's definitely a fight, but you just have to, you know... Just go in there and say, you know, okay, well, this is what was. And basically, they replace everything that was there before and just put it back to how it was. And, um, you know, but but again, when they're putting that stuff in, it's new stuff. So, um, you know, it definitely got a uh, a little bit of a spruce up. That's um, nice. But it's still, yeah, it, but, you know, it went back exactly the same. I mean, the kitchen's still that wide open kitchen. Yeah. We had the same layout floor plan. It's So it was nice to get back in there. And now it's, you know, you're just rocking and rolling and crushing it. Dinners are crazy. They're, Crazy, they're ridiculous. Yeah, is it dinner in a good only? Way. Uh, it's lunch and dinner. Lunch and dinner. Um, lunch is still kind of not known yet. We're trying to trying to put the the word out there because we started lunch later, uh, a couple months after we opened for dinner. But um, yeah, dinners have been really really great to us. And you do a lot, like a family style menu, right? Like large plates, shared plates, that type of thing. Um, we try to. What we'll do is we'll do a shared section. Okay. So this way, everybody can kind of have five six different things and then we'll do uh you know plated entrees and we try to push a lot of the larger larger parties for family style it's just a better way everyone can try a lot more things on the menu that's amazing and uh what's your uh perfect saturday night meal at your own restaurant um you know i'm a I, I, we get in these grits from um anton mills they mill them to order oh yeah and um we just we cook those up uh we make these meatballs with so much fat back in them <laughs> that they just melt in your mouth and burrata cheese and that's oh, that's home burrata. for me Amazing. And Saturday night, what's the uh, soundtrack since uh, for the restaurant? You know, you can't even hear that. It, it, it changes. Sometimes it's Zeppelin on. Um, you know, it, it just it changes throughout the night. We just kind of let Pandora take it from there. Amazing. So what do you got coming up? What's what's next on the docket? Um, you know, I have we have some facilities in the basement. I'm going to try to do our own dry-aged beef um, down there. Great. Um, yeah, so I've been researching that quite a bit. And uh, now you're home for a little bit? You're going back out to the old diner, the old pizza place? No, no, I'm going to be in the city. Uh, I just out here to, whenever I come back to New York, I get so inspired. And I always, I always think, boy, I need to get my butt in gear. Because whenever I come out to New York and I see these guys cooking, or I, I sat last night at the chef's counter in town, and I was like, boy, you know, I, Where I need to were step you? it up. I was at Casamono. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Great. And, you know, it, it was a Sunday night, and they were just cranking. And I was thinking, boy, you know, this, I, I need to... I always think I'm like I'm slacking. I need to I need to go. It's New York. There's <laughs> always always, you know, five people in front of you, if not 10. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. What's uh website, Twitter? You don't do Twitter, right? Uh well, we we do have Twitter at Oak at 14th. Okay. Um I don't personally have And that's is that the word or the number 14th? Uh the the word. Okay. And then our website's uh www.oaket14th.com all spelled out. Awesome. And it's at 1400 Pearl Street in Boulder, Colorado. Yes. And uh, how far out reservations? What, do, what would you recommend? Um, I'd say a, at least a week for weekends yeah. and three to four days for weekdays. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We'll hang out, eat some more pizza. 
We're going to take a quick musical interlude, and then we got Oberhofer coming up live uh, as we try and polish off this pizza. We- Thanks, man. He, in the uh, break, he was regaling us some stories of uh, motorcycle um, sh- trickery, chicanery? Shenanigans. Shenanigans. That's what I'm looking for, some shenanigans from their recent tour. How's everything been, man? Uh, everything's, been, everything's been great. Uh, every time I, I see you or hear about you, it's just bigger and better and things like that. Well, uh, I don't really know. Don't know about bigger or better, but I know uh, everything's been good. 
How'd the debut album go? Um, great. Great, man. What's the name of it? Um, Time Capsules 2. Time Capsules... What was Time Capsules 1? Um, Time Capsules 1 is just a, a different different thing. A whole different thing? Yeah. So, we're, so the Oberhofer fans aren't missing out on anything if, they've never, if they don't have Time Capsule 1? Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. So, how's life on the road been? Um, it's been, it's been pretty wild, actually. I've been back in New York now for six days, and I've been able to, you know, look at every, look at the last three and a half months of touring retrospectively, and, uh, understand how, just how wild it's been. Now, as you were digging into this delicious Roberta's pizza, you were telling me to avoid all pizza in Europe? I mean, yeah, I didn't, I tried pizza maybe three times in Europe, and never enjoyed it. Even in Italy or a place like that? Um, we weren't in Italy, so oh. um, I can't I can't speak for Italy. I'm sure I'm sure the pizza's all right in Italy. I think uh, once you have European pizza, um, you realize that pizza is a little bit more than just bread, sauce, and cheese. Yeah, it's so much more. It's um, there's so much soul in pizza. Yeah. Did you have any good meals? Um. Yeah, I I had some extremely good meals. Where did you give me one? Um. I don't know the name of this restaurant. Uh. We ate we ate at in Paris, and um. Well, I had two two delicious meals in Paris. Um. The dinner I had was like this. I had like this veal stew. No, it was a no. It was lamb stew, and um. It uh. I don't and and poached pear for dessert. Ooh. And um. What else? What else did we have? Poached um, pears are delicious. Yeah. Oh, I had some delicious uh, swordfish in Lisbon. Oh, man. That's where the uh, shenanigans yeah. for the motorcycle. Do you yeah. want to tell that story real quickly? Oh, man. Um, so uh, so we'd been riding, we'd been riding around, and um, we had to pull over because our, our tour, man, tour manager had to make a stop. Uh, and uh, he... Uh, he parked his he did a bad job parking his bike so he, he went around the corner and um his bike uh his bike fell over with the engine running and uh you know he thought he didn't he didn't remember leaving the engine on so of course he uh he tries to pick up the motorcycle from the front with his left hand on the throttle of the bike <laughs> and uh and uh causes the motorcycle to accelerate almost into him but um out of defense it just kind of like accelerated up upward and uh it was about three or four feet in the air and uh you know his only reflex was to throw it to his side and uh it landed uh directly on a parked smart car unbelievable and you left a note right yeah left a note in uh what do they speak there what's spanish portuguese portuguese and uh how's your portuguese for uh, i'm sorry i wrecked your car with a <laughs> motorcycle oh man we were only there for a couple of days we didn't know any portuguese <laughs> um all right well let's hear a song what do you gonna play for us um i'm gonna play uh house awesome well here is oberhofer live on snacky tune take it away all right build a house with you, a house with you, a house with you, a home, so we can be alone, and I've been running, I've been hiding, I've been falling down and climbing back up, where they think they belong. Try to tell me what you don't Can be alone 
so we can be alone. I've been slipping on my shoes, my tongue is swollen, my lips are bruised, and I can't get up the hill. I've been jumping through some leaves and chopping down some cherry trees, so I, oh, so I can't tell, so I can't tell the truth. I wanna build a house with you, a house with you, a house with you. I wanna build a house with you, so we can be alone. So we can be alone. That's an epic one. Oh, thanks, man. Big fan. Woo. So, uh, I have to ask, what was it like playing the uh, in-between spot between Linkin Park and Smashing Pumpkins in uh, Lisbon? <laughs> oh, man. A lot of crossover there? Oh, yeah. That was pretty wild. Um, yeah, the lineup that day was um, Limp Biscuit, The Offspring, Linkin Park, and The Smashing Pumpkins. And... Um, I mean, I saw 60,000 people singing along to Lincoln Park. Just like 60,000 Portuguese people like running around, just going wild. Just going wild for the, for the park? Just no. going so wild for something that just seems like in, so far in the distant past, you know? Yeah, I mean, because they're really... I mean, I guess, Smashing, but I guess Smashing Pumpkins are even further back than Lincoln Park, right? Yeah, but they, they've sort of had a resurgence. I mean, their sound, their sound isn't so time... Isn't so, era specific you know like Linkin Park is like post Limp Biscuit, like totally totally had its own time you know what I mean and uh I mean it was just really wild I'll still hear a couple of old school Smashing Pumpkins track and just still love like Tonight Tonight anything yeah you know, off the first few albums or you know they always drop Gish a little bit you gotta That's actually the first riff I ever learned how to play on guitar. Amazing. The first time I ever saw a man cross-dress was in that video. Really? It's James Eha. I mean, it was like sixth grade yeah. suburbs of Ballot-Kinwood, you know, which is outside of Philadelphia. And, you know, guy yeah. wearing a dress was the farthest thing I'd ever thought of. And I was like, is that a guy? It's a girl. You know, blew my mind. What, yeah. Buzzbin back in the day? What? Buzzbin, remember those? Do you remember that? No. All the old MTV, like, Buzzbin type of stuff? All right, we got... Thank you, Eliza, for coming in and not making me sound like a crazy guy. Buzzbin was like the 90s, like, Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead, 
cranberries, all that stuff. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Get the, like the Buzzbin compilation. All right. Mwah. Good music for Saturday night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, play that in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're going to Bonnaroo this weekend. Yeah, man. Big fan? Of what? Bonnaroo? I mean, uh, I think so. I've never been, so I can't really say. I'm, You know, we're playing for the first time there, so it's going to be cool. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I think it's their 10th year, if I remember correctly. Well, then it's going to be a big one. So what's your, uh, what's, what's your approach to festivals when you're playing them? Are you like, uh, get there, go all in, or do you sort of like chill until you have to play? Oh, man, I'm kind of all in all the time in general. So, I mean, I kind of just... I don't know. Show up and do do whatever, you know, whatever I whatever I have to do. You know, usually when you get to festivals, you're just busy from the get go. It's like, oh, you have to meet this person here. You have to meet this person here. You have to like go home early because you have to get up at eight thirty in the morning to go load in, and then you sound check, and then you have to go somewhere else, and then. Do you find you get to hang out with like, a lot of other band buddies uh, since it's the summer? And you, you know, I I feel like especially I know you're going back to Europe. Like a lot of the same bands move in the same uh, east to west direction. Oh, yeah. We, uh, I mean, we were on, we were in London, um, and, uh, yeah, we have this, we, we ran into three random friends from bands on the same street in London, co- by coincidence. They were just all in town gigging? Just all in town, um, Dave from Japan Droids and Johnny from Yuck and Lewis, who was, uh, an engineer, was engineering for a band called the Sobe Sexu that we were on tour with a while ago, and, like, oh. ran oh. into them all randomly, we all just ended up hanging out, it was really fun. Uh, I've said it before and I said it again. I love the new Japan Droids record. Yeah? I haven't heard the new Japan Droids record yet. I've been out of town, so... It's awesome. Okay, I have to check it out. It's it's up there. I heard lyrically it's really up there, too. It's it, it, it's one of the bands that brings me back to those suburban days of like listening to albums in yeah. my bedroom and on a Walkman and things like that. It's yeah. just like all their stuff. But this one is... It's awesome. It, if it's not one of the biggest albums of the summer, I'll be surprised. I've got to check it out. you got to check it out. That sounds awesome. Why don't we check out another song? All right. Check out another song. Okay. Uh, here we go again. Oberhofer live on Snacky Tunes. All right. I'm trying to decide which song. Okay. I'll admit I'm feeling a little cold. I wish I could change what I can't control. I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't ever want you to leave, cause that would be too sad for me, I don't want you to go, oh, 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 yeah, I know how you feel. It's been a long time coming, but I've been run, run, running, running fa 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 from the truth. I never felt it before, oh, oh, but this broken heart really stings. I don't got any rights or rings, but I could be your everything. I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go, oh, 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 I don't want you to go. Oh, 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 oh I don't ever want you to leave Cause that would be too sad for me I don't want you to go Oh, 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 oh And I was running around Didn't really have anywhere to be I had no idea where I was going But I knew I was going somewhere and so I ran to your house And I knocked on the door And I looked in your eyes And wished that I could see more I don't want you to go Oh, 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 oh I don't want you to go Oh, 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 oh I don't want you to go Oh, 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 oh. I don't ever want you to leave Cause that would be too sad for me I don't want you to go Oh, 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 oh I don't want you to go Oh, 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 
That's awesome. Amazing. Thanks. So I have to say that your live show is also one of my favorite live shows. I, I think the first time I saw you uh, as a as a four-piece was back at the Noisy Festival in Austin. Yeah. And uh, But you guys didn't... I, I heard that um, Matt got hurt or was in the hospital oh, for a little bit. Yeah, for but, a little while. For a little bit. And you guys played as a three-piece, but now you're back yeah. to a four-piece. Yeah, we did... Th- Two shows is a three-piece. Is he? But he's okay. Yeah, he's totally all right. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, I'm glad to hear it. I, you know, you hear things through the grapevine, and you never, you always want to make sure that everyone's okay. Life on the road's tough, man. Yeah, it was crazy, actually. I, I mean, I was kind of nervous at first. We, yeah, when we played those two shows as a three-piece, but they they turned out all right, and and Matt was better after those, you know, three days of rest. So sometimes you gotta just take a break. Yeah, hang out, watch some uh, The Wire on DVD. You know, yeah, or Bad Santa. Bad Santa, yeah. That's good for the morale. Yeah. So uh, I know you're already talking about the next album, and you got some big plans. Anything that you can share with us? Um, well, really, I mean, we're going to be working this record for a long time, just kind of like planning in advance for the next one pretty far, you know, just so there's no time crunch at all, and like just so I can have like everything everything set and don't really have to worry about, uh, you know, don't really have to worry about getting getting it out on the right date you know having it having it completely prepared months in advance before we actually have to release it you know so we're gonna work this record for a while you know i still think there's a lot in this record that people haven't people haven't paid attention to yet you know what's what's the most exciting thing you uh are looking forward to share that has yet to be shared about the album which one this one or the next well we'll talk about the one right now since the next one is so far away yeah i think that i think that this record like i think um you know i've like you know, I've read a lot of reviews, and I've like, you know, I've heard a lot of people, you know, tell tell me what they think about it and things like that. And I think, uh, you know, I put there's so much that's gone into it, yeah, that there's no possible way that anybody that just bought this record two months ago has like heard what everything there is to hear about it. You know, oh, uh, it's so tough, man. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, and even when I think with restaurant reviews as well, it's tough. You know, people come out for one meal. Yeah. They take one spin of a record yeah. and they just pass insane judgment. Yeah. And, and it's something that, you know, I think two artists sitting in front of me, that's a whole lifetime that you, you've put into yeah. the most recent thing you put out. Yeah. And sometimes it's wild judgment in, in a positive way. Sometimes it's wild judgment in a negative way. But you can't control it and you just have to respect that anyone feels anyway. And, um, you know, just give give things time. And, uh, you know, if, if someone... You know, if if you give things time, people will, I think, eventually come around and like see see good things. If you are doing good things, you know? yeah, and that's a great point. I think it's it it feels good to feel good about the, the good reviews, and sometimes you feel bad about the bad reviews. But then you got to realize it. You just got to sort of say in the middle, because if you're going to say that way, when people say something negatively, then you have to have the same feeling about the good thing as well, just to sort of keep yourself grounded. You yeah. know, I mean, as an artist, I think it's your job not to, not to give deliberately give people what they want from you, but to give people what you want them to have. Yeah, interesting. Do you feel that way as a chef? Uh, I, I do. I think you know, as long as you put in, you feel good about what you put out at the end of the night. I, I think uh, I, I could sleep well. I mean, I know if you know if I'm a little hesitant on something, then then I know there's something I'm not doing right. You know? Yeah. It's always so interesting to think about food and music as an art form because with music you can just hit replay on the whole CD. With food though, it's just totally decimated and destroyed oh, yeah. at the oh, end yeah. of a meal, and they got to come back for a whole new type of experience. Hopefully, they come Ho- back. Hopefully. Hopefully, well, I mean, from the from the reviews and from what the way the food looks like on the website and everything like that, I, I think they will come back again and again. Uh, but I want to thank you both for coming out, Oak. Is the restaurant Steve? Thank you so much. Oberhofer, thank you so much. Uh, what is all the nuts and bolts for uh, if people want to find you online? Um, well, we have a Facebook, and I just I just started a Bandcamp where I kind of like upload songs that I feel like that I feel like uploading, and um, um, yeah, D- different cuts from the album. 
Um, like I, I just posted, I've only posted one song so far. I made this two nights ago, but I'm going to start posting demos from the record. Amazing. All right. So, uh, www.oakad14th.com. Thank you so much. Enjoy, uh, your you. rest of time in New York. Uh, shout out to Eliza and to also Simon, which is Oberhofer's PR manager. Yo, what's up, Simon? I hope you get back in the States soon. Yeah. And shout out to all the PR people who help us do the show. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. Shout out to my Joe as well, who's my dog, to everybody. Yeah, dog. And uh, check out tomorrow. We're going to be announcing, uh, we got two big announcements from the Fern on the Pulse food and music events. Shout out to uh, Jack and Joe, who did an awesome job of tracking down the guitar. And uh, HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Go online, support the network, everything like that. Um, You can take us out with one more song? Yeah, I could do that. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Greg will be here next week. Hopefully, I will will not be here. So uh, he'll be holding down the uh, shipping container for it. And always, thank you to Roberta's for being the most awesome guys in the world. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take it away. One, two, three, go. And you fell down again. Oh, darling, let me pick you up Cause you were right This time, last time This time, last time This time, you were right Now, darling, please tell me that you know I've been throwing my arms And taking down some paper planes Cause they crash and they burn with ease Oh they crash and they burn down Girl, if I don't pick up the phone, you can call the landline. Oh, the landline. Oh, the la 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 la. The landline. Oh, the landline. Been rolling down the stairs like a tumbleweed in a twister in the desert where I won't go. I'm dying. Why do you always tell me that I gotta leave? I'm gonna hang up the phone. I'm gonna get up and go. I'm gonna get up and go. Pick up the phone, call the landline, oh the landline, oh the la 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 the landline, oh the landline, I I if I don't pick up the phone, call the landline, oh the landline, oh the la 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 the landline, oh the landline, let's go. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.